Last week we finished off talking about Brachot, the top of Samachalabit. It's literally the top line. All right, so last week we finished talking about Brachot, right? We did the, we went through the concept of what Brachot are, why they're important, right? And we basically explained how the um, act of saying a Bracha allows um, Bracha to be brought into this world. And allows um, it allows Hashem's uh, influence to come into this world, whether it's for a mitzvah that we're doing, whether it's for something we're eating. We allow all of Hashem's influence to come into this world, all the positive influence, all the bracha to come into this world by saying a bracha, and how that rectifies a system of not rectifies whatever um, it um, pours down a system that Hashem set up for bracha in this world by saying 100 brachot a day. We spoke specifically about the bracha of. Mitilat Yadayim. Um, as we said, has halachic ramifications. And Mitilat Yadayim is a perfect example of a bracha which is called Matbeah Kitzara, which in halacha means it is a short form. Right? There's long form and short form. So Matbeah Kitzara and Matbeah Arucha. And Matbeah Kitzara is like Shakon Yadbidvaro. You start off Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Malacholam, and then you end abruptly. You say or you end with There's no closing. is any bracha which has a closing. So you start the bracha with Baruch Hashem, and then you start discussing the topic, and then at the end you close with the topic that you were discussing. For example, Ma'ari Baravim, or um, is a perfect example of a matbea So now the halacha um, is for the svaradim is that when we in the morning we start we wash our hands we say anitilatidaim or you go to the bathroom and then you say anitilatidaim and you say asher yatsar. The Ashkenazim, the real Ashkenazim, the Yekish, right, the, the ones who are from Germany, they have a different minhag. Theirs is that. They don't say any brachot at home. They'll, they'll do the, the tilat yadayim, they'll go to the bathroom, but they'll skip asher yatsar of the morning asher yatsar until they get to shul, where they'll say the tilat yadayim, asher yatsar, and all of that. Um, the reason for this was most likely because of the minhag of the shliach tzibur to read all the brachot for everybody in case they wouldn't know them. Um, all the birkot hashachar were said by the shliach tzibur, and that's still the minhag of the Yakisha community, but... Most of the Ashkenazim today do not do that. And that's because the Ramah himself said that, I said, me. he said, me, myself, I'm no hey, I, I do like the Spanish do, and I say it when I get to, uh, um, just when I, when I wash my hands in the morning, whenever I use the bathroom. So, well, most of the Ashkenazim do it on their own at home. They don't, they don't do it at shul. Only the Yekish will, um, will still... Um, the Yekish will still wait until they get to shul to say Asher Yatzar. So now, because we say Asher Yatzar like uh, 10 times a day, if you're pregnant 20 times a day, you know, then because we yeah. say it so many and times... Like me, 25 days. <laughs> right, so because we say it so often, it's something that we almost begin saying by rote. You know, we, we say it, we like spit it out, we, we, we start moving our mouth just before we start using our head. And it's a very simple bracha to understand. The language is very clear, it's very lucid, it's a simple bracha to understand. However, when you put it under a microscope, there's a lot of assertions that it makes, a lot of um, 
elements inside of it which are very problematic. And we're going to see in the Gemara Brachot the source for the bracha, and we're going to see a little bit of the background for why this bracha came to be and how it came to be. So now a fascinating bit of history is that originally there were two, two tefillot, one before you went to the bathroom and one after you went to the bathroom. And so the Gemara is going to discuss that tefillah. Um, the Gemara says as follows. It says that we know that everybody who, um, we know that every Jew, the Gemara says this in Tanit, has two malachim that accompany with him, that accompany him everywhere. On Shabbat, we, we have two additional malachim. But in general, a person has two malachim that accompany him everywhere. We know that from the pasuk of Ki Malachavit Tzavelach, that um, I shall command my angels to accompany you. And therefore, says the Gemara, Hanichnas someone who's about to enter the bathroom, Omer, he says the following. This is the tefillah. Hitchabidu mechubadim, be ennobled, O noble ones, kedoshim, meshartei alion, the, the holy servants of Hashem, tenu kavod lelokei Israel, give honor to Hashem, and herfu mimeni, loosing yourselves from me, until I go into the bathroom and I do what I need to do, and I shall come back to you. Meaning, wait for me outside, it's not kavod for you to be in here with me, please wait for me. Amar Abaye, Abaye says, a person should not say this formula, as, as he should not say the word herfu mimeni, to loosen from me. Dilma shafki azli. Perhaps the Malachim are going to leave and they're not going to come back. Ella Lema, rather he should say one of the following Lashonot, Shimruni, Shimruni, wait for me, wait for me, Zeruni, Zeruni, do me a favor, Semachuni, Samachuni, also language of, of uh, supporting me, Hamtinuli, Hamtinuli, Acha Kanes, say, wait for me until I shall go in and come out, Shekain Darkan shall Bene Adam, for this is the way of, of, of human beings, we have to use the bathroom, so please wait for me outside. Now, the early Balei Halacha, like the Rambam and the Tur, they themselves write this Lahalacha, that a person should go into the bathroom and a, pers- a person should say this before they go into the bathroom and just say Asher after. However, this tefillah fell into disuse. And the Beit Yosef, already in his time, people weren't using this anymore. That's already in the 15th century. So for at least five or six hundred years, this tefillah has not been said by almost anybody. And the reason for that is, as the Abu Darham says, Vashem the Rivash, that the reason for that is that he says, you should only be saying this if you're a holy person and you are always um, cognitive of the fact that there are two malachim with you. Most people aren't so holy. And if you do say this tefillah and you're not a very, very holy person, it's detrimental. It's almost arrogant that, you know, like you, you're aware that you have malachim following you, following you everywhere. Therefore, the recommendation is not to say it. Um, now, it's interesting to note, like, what is the job of these malachim? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert in malachim and why exactly what their job is. But the Gemara Tanit says that one of their jobs is... Um, to testify against the person at the end of his life. And the Gemara over there is talking against, against the person at the end of his life. The Gemara over there is talking about the sin of not being um, if you're not um, having empathy for everybody else and you're not joining in the Tanit of the Tzibor. And it says that you're going to have to answer for that Aveira at the end of your life. And one of the things that are going to testify against you are these Malachim which accompany you. The Maharsha over there says that 
the gematria of, sat, of Hasatan is 364. He says that's because the Satan has Shlita over 364 days of the year, besides the day of Yom Kippur. And all of these malachim that are created by the Averot that you do, or this malach that reports, there's one malach that reports all the Averot you did every day of the year, except for one day of the year, which is um, a Yom Kippur, where there's no malach that reports any of your Averot. And all of these malachim belong to the legion of the Satan. So apparently one or two of these malachim has, has a job to report and testify everything you do. Um, it's not clear to me if the other if the other malach reports all the mitzvot or, so you know. I thought they would, they would follow you to protect you. Now you tell me the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not an expert in malachim. Okay, so that's what the Gemara over there says. Now, the Gemara continues with kinafik. When a person leaves the Beit say, Omer Baruch Hashem Yasaret Hadam Right. So now all the poskim. Usually, like, you know, in English for post-scheme, you say legalists. They're, they're, all the, the bale halacha are generally very focused on halacha. And, you know, they, they get to the point right away. They, they're very deliberate. All of the post-scheme, for some reason, when it comes to Asher Yatsar, they stop and they decide to explain Asher Yatsar. They go into drush. They go into to, 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 um, Agadah, they, into a, the mode of explaining bracha. There's no other area that I can recall in halacha where all the poskim stop and they're like, okay, we have to explain this bracha. And they all spend a lot of time, you know, dissecting word after word. One of the reasons is because there's many, there have been many disputes for the past 1,200 years over what the proper girsaot are in Asher Yatsar because there are so many philosophical problems with the assertions that it makes and all of the things that it says in it. And it raises so many issues and there's so many surprising elements that they felt a need to address it so that laymen should understand the bracha v'asher yatsar. Today we're, in today we know a lot more about the human body. So for us it's very simple. It's almost even more profound. The bracha to us is even more profound. We know everything about cellular and molecular biology. We know, you know, all the ins and outs of every part of the body. And so to us, you know, it's pashut. Look, look at this wondrous thing God created. But there are certain words that it says that they believed need, needed clarification. So let's go with it one by one. So, Asher Yatsar et Hadam right? The first, the, the first um, four words, I believe. Uh, five, one, two, three. <laughs> five words, right? So, who form man with wisdom. The first dispute on Asher Yatsar is whose wisdom. When it says, Asher Yatsar et Hadam does it mean that Hashem used his wisdom to create man? Or does it mean that Hashem created man as a wise being? Does it mean that Hashem created man with a mind? So, if you say that Hashem, the the the, the first part is that Hashem created the, or did I say the second one is that Hashem created man as a as a wise being? That's because the definition of, of a human being is that he's an animal with wisdom, with a, with dat, and chokhmah is actually <coughs> the Mikubalim say it's um, koachma. It's the power of 45, which is a very significant number. But Ma is also Adam. It represents 45 is Aleph Dalad Mem is also Gemachia Adam. The power of a person is that he has Chokhmah. The power of Adam is that he has wisdom. This is one of the biggest uh, wondrous things of a human being, that he has a consciousness, that he's actually um, an intelligent being. The other Mahalayach is to say that Hashem created man with Chokhmah. However, we know that in order to create 
um, in order to create a person with Chochmah, Hashem had to first create Chochmah. In order to create man with wisdom, first Hashem had to create this thing called Chochmah, which is wisdom. That's a more Kabbalistic topic, and we're all familiar with this idea of Sefirot, that Hashem created the, with the world with using tools from Chochmah all the way down to Malchut. And they extended through there. This a little bit of a side topic, but if we say that Hashem created man with Chochmah, we could have many meanings with his wisdom, with the Chochmah of the Sefirot, etc. Hashem created man with wisdom. That's the first um, sort of dispute as to the as to the meaning of, of Asher Yatzar. Then <coughs> the next words are Ubarabo Nikavim Nikavim, and he created within him many many holes. So Nikavim Nikavim generally when in Lashon Hakodesh when you repeat a word it means that you're saying that there are many of this thing. The Rishon or Bihuda Ben Yakar, who's one of the Hasidic Ashkenaz, says that in this particular instance, Nekavim Nekavim doesn't mean plurality, it means diversity. It means that there are many different organs with different functions. So Nekavim Nekavim means there's many different holes with different functions. The problem with this is that we know, if you, if you analyze this for a second, we know that we don't use the word Bria for something that doesn't exist. Briyazi yeshme ayin is when you create something from nothing. So how could you tell me that Hashem created a hole? A hole, by definition, is an absence within a field. It's an absence of an area within a field. You can't tell me Hashem created a hole. A hole doesn't exist. So what do you mean he created the hole? The hole. Maybe he created the area around the hole. He formed the hole. But Hashem created a hole. So some um, say that it's Labdafka. We'll see soon. The Rabbam himself says this, this doesn't. It means organs that. Um, that use a hole, but there's a very interesting idea that the Anaf Yosef says in his Pirush Al Hasidur. He says that some say, and I don't, know, I haven't found this, but he says that some say that Ubara Bo is the wrong way to read it. The word is not Ubara. The word is Ubarei Bo. There's a pasuk in Yecheskel which says Ubarei Oten Becharbotehen. They pierce them with their swords. So we've been reading it wrong for two thousand years. It's Ubarei. Uh, I'm sorry, Ubare bo nikavim nikavim, and he pierced him with many, many holes. That's not the accepted view, and it's clear that from our Misora, from that Sheikh Nasat is that it's referring to Bria, which is actual creation, but I just found that very interesting, that it could have an alternative uh, meaning, um, which is to pierce. <coughs> sorry, I'm losing my voice a little. <coughs> All right. The next part is, as you'll notice in the Gemara, it says Chalalim, Chalalim. <laughs> um, this is a girsah, which is very, very, very disputed. Um, our girsah that we're familiar with is Chalalim, Chalalim. Now, Chalal means a hollow. Chalul means a tube. And there's another word, Mechilim, which also means a, a tube. Now, Nobody can apparently agree as to what the Gersai is in the Gemara, so... <clears throat> you know, I, I'll get myself a... No, you sure? Okay, just to resume. So, the Gemara, the Gersai that's in the Gemara is Chalalim. <coughs> chalalim, Chalalim. The Rambam maintains this Gersai. The Rambam keeps the Gersai of Chalalim, Chalalim, and Ekevim, Ekevim, and he, the Rabbi Manoach, one of the Rishonim who supports the Rambam, he explains that the Rambam Shita is that it doesn't mean 
uh, literally that Hashem created hollows or that he created holes, it means that he created organs which use hollows. For example, the mouth is an organ which uses a hollow. The, the heart is a pump, which is an organ that uses a hollow. Holes as well, your ears, your eyes, these are organs that use hollows. And till today, if you look in the Temani Sidur, the Temanim, who always, almost always followed the Girsa of the Rambam, they still say Chalalim, Chalalim. Um, the other gear, the Rashi, not over here, the Rashi that we have here says Chalalim, but Rashi in Machsor Vitri, which is a Sidur written by his Talmidim according to, to his Yeshiva, Rashi in Machsor Vitri is, says that we should say Chalalim. Why? Because first of all, Chalalim yeah, means hollows. Sounds so, so similar. A halal is a hollow, halul is a tube. Okay. So Rashi says we shouldn't say halalim because God did not create a hollow. We should say halulim, which is the girsa we have today. Halulim, halulim. This is Hebrew very well. Sounds the same. Yeah, it does sound the same. Yeah. So, another pronunciation on one of the syllables. Yeah. So another reason Rashi says that we shouldn't say halalim is because halal in Lashon Hakodesh could also mean a corpse. You don't want to say that. The whole human race should are walking dead men. You know what I mean. You want to you want to say something that sounds exactly yes. For the Sfaradim, the Sfaradim today are gores chalulim. So it's interesting that in the Medrash Midrash Tanhuma in Shemini, the Medrash points out that the gematria of chalulim chalulim is 248. There's 248 bones in the body, and so chalulim chalulim is gematria 248. The Abu Draham says, says, you're all wrong. It's mechilim mechilim. I'm bringing Uriah. There's, good, there's a midrash, a very famous midrash, because it's the third paragraph in um, uh, midrash Bereshit. If you open up a midrash Bereshit, like the third paragraph is this midrash. And the, the midrash um, it uses the lashon mechilim mechilim. It says, I, just, I typed it up. It says, Bereshit bara alokim. Rabbi Tanchuma patach. Rabbi Tanchuma opened up his, his class on Agadah. Kigadol, the pasuk says in Tehilim, Kigadol atav el seniflot that you are great, Hashem, you are great, and you do wondrous things. So Amar Abitanchum, Hanod Hazed, this uh, leather water jug, right? They used to make leather, uh, water jugs out of cloth sometimes. Im yiyebo nekev kichot shel machat, if it would have a hole, even the size of a needle, kol rucho yotzei all of the air would leave the jug. Adam, however, human being, asui mechilim mechilim, is made out of many um, tubes and holes, nekavim nekavim, with many piercings, ve'en lucho yotzei and his spirit, his neshama, doesn't leave his body. Mi asekein, who could do such a thing? The end of the pasuk ends, ata elokim lavedecha, only you, Hashem. So now why, why does Rabbi Tanchuma open um, his, his drasham reishit with this? So the pasuk, the, the, the Pashup shot in this in this in this um, midrash is that um, he's he's um, Rabbi Tanhum is explaining why the pasuk uses the language of Bereshit bara Elohim and not Bereshit bara Hashem of Yudke Bavke, <coughs> and he's explaining that there's a difference between Nes and Pele. When we we are all familiar familiar with the idea that Hashem is the, the name which represents Hashem's infinity and Hashem's um, omnipotence. And Elohim is the name which um, represents Hashem's power and dominion over nature. The Elohim is the, the, the god of stricture and din. And the, 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 the name of Yudkei is the name of Rachmanut and Lemalam in Hateva. 
So the Pasuk be- begins by saying that Hashem created the world using the shame Elohim as, as the God Elohim. So what he's explaining is that even in the realm of Elohim, if we won't call something a nace, we will call it a pella. Pella comes from the word of um, aluf or aleph, which means like distinguished or exceptional, right? So there are things that are done in the realm of nature but are still truly wondrous. And therefore, he brings the pasuk, which says, Ki gadol ata niflaot, you are great and bal chesed, and you do wondrous things. Ata elokim levadecha. You only Elohim, only we, we see this midah of Pela, we see this midah of wonderness in Elohim. Even though Elohim does not generally show us Nes, we see in Elohim, we see Pela. That's why he begins with, um, he begins his, his, uh, his Agadah on Breshit with that. Okay, so now the next words of the... Of the bracha are It is exposed and well known in front of your of, in front of your throne, your throne of glory. That if one of them were to close, right. So it is well known in front of your. It is exposed and known in front of your throne of glory. The Gaon Mivilna says something which is much more obvious to us today. He says that not only does Hashem know all of the things which are knowable in the human body, the things that we can see with our eyes. He knows even the things that we cannot see with our eyes, the things that are microscopic, the things that are concealed, <coughs> the things that there's no way for even a doctor or an MRI to show you. Hashem knows what's going on. That's galui v'yadua. And why does it say kisek vodechas? So the Vilna Gaon says something very interesting. He says that there's, this, there's a long-standing refutation in the Torah and in the tefillot of this idea of a non-personal God. In Judaism, we believe in this idea of a personal God, of hashkachah pratit, that Hashem cares about this world. And therefore, there are many heretics who would believe that Hashem created the world and then stopped caring about it. There's no way that Hashem, who's a God, a creator, would care about the minutia of human beings. If you think about it at scale, there's no difference between... If you think about how tiny humans are, and you think about the scale of the universe, to say that Hashem creates cares about human beings is literally not much different than saying that Hashem cares about the bacteria inside your stomach. It's, it's not, the universe is so big that relatively speaking, these are one and the same things. And does God care about bacteria on a doorknob? Does he care about, you know, <coughs> the minutia in this universe of lowly, lowly worms? So the Torah teaches us that emphatically, yes, Hashem does care. So when it says, it's saying that the inner, even the inner workings of our body are of interest and are pertinent and in front of Hashem's throne of glory, there's something that even Hashem really, really cares about. Um, now, this is a long, long-standing fight. So, the, the Gemara's Girsa, the Gemara, the Girsa we have in the Gemara is that if you should open one of them or if you should close one of them. So the Rambam immediately shows a problem with this Girsa. The first thing we said was Nikabim, holes. The second thing we said was tubes, right? Halulim. So the order is wrong. You don't open holes and close tubes. You close holes and open tubes. Therefore, the Ramam reverses it. And in the Ramam's girsa, as well as the Temanim, they reverse the, the, the order of this bracha. They say, If you're going to close one of the holes, or if you're going to open one of the holes, then it would be impossible to survive. 
while Rashi over here in the Gemara points out that there is a problem. Rashi points out there is a problem, and he maintains the girsa anyway. Rashi says, no, I'll tell you what's happening. Yipateach is going on the chalulim, and Yisatem is going on the, on the nikavim. It's a stretch, but Rashi says, this is the girsa, it's Yipateach first, and Yisatem second. And why, we'll see in, in a few minutes, why Rashi maintained that girsa, but this is the girsa of most of the Klai Yisrael. Most people say, Shim Yipateach first. Another thing the Ramam deletes is the Ramam deletes lefnei kiseich vodecha. The Ramam does not like, we've spoken about this before in, um, uh, in Mora Nuvuchim, the Ramam very, uh, very passionately <laughs> um, deprecates the use of descriptionary uh, words, and the Ramam doesn't like dis- description, descriptions of Hashem. <coughs> if they're not sanctioned or said by the Nevi'im, the Ramam doesn't allow for such things in tefillah, and therefore making a description of Hashem and saying that he's sitting on his throne of glory. If you're not a Navi, you shouldn't be allowed to say this, and therefore the Ramam takes out kisei kivodecha. So it just says in the Tamani one, it says, Galui vedua lefanecha, I believe, or I don't remember, the, I don't have this, this sidur in front of me, but it doesn't say lefnei kisei kivodecha. The Ramam takes that out too. So you can already see why the Poskim spent so much time on, on this biracha, because there's so much to talk about. So now, afilu sha'achat, right? So our Gemara doesn't say the words afilu sha'achat, but if you see there's an aleph and the grass says that it belongs here. Afilu sha'achat <coughs> belongs in the Vilna edition. And <coughs> in most um, charts, or like you see the sign that, that has Asher Yatsar in, you know, outside of a bathroom, so they'll put afilu sha'achat in parentheses. Now the reason for this is because some of the Rishonim did not like the words afilu sha'achat because they said it's not true. The most famously, the Maharami Rotenberg, he said, it's, it's simply not true. We know it not to be true. It is possible for you to have a rupture or to have a close at, of one of your organs, and you can live for a few moments. You're not going to die right away. So how can you tell me a filu shahat that even for one second you're you're going to die if you don't have um, if you don't if one of those like if your mouth is closed or if one of your orifices is closed or open that is simply isn't true. You take a while to bleed out. So others defend it. The Beit Yosef brings a couple of defenses. Some say that a filu doesn't mean a moment. It means a short amount of time, right? A filu even a short amount of time. Some say a filu means that every, if even there's a single rupture, it has a time limit. It has a, it has definite time limit. If your mouth is closed too long, you are going to die after a certain point. But it isn't to be taken um, literally. That's so much for pshat. Um, okay, so now. That's the regular pshat in the beginning of Asher Yatsar. However, there is another pshat in Asher Yatsar, which is a view taken by some of the Rishonim. And they say that the, you have it all wrong. The entire bracha is not talking about how the, the miracle of a, of a human body in when he walks the earth, when a person is already born and alive. It's talking about a fetus. The whole bracha is talking about a fetus. And he says that Chochmah, Rabbi Huda ben Yakar says, and we know that Laila is the name of the Malach who protects um, fetuses, who protects, who's in charge of, of childbirth. And so the entire bracha, this answers a lot of the questions. Um, why is it that if one of them would, were to be ruptured, would he die in an instant? Why does it say galuiviyadua, that it's known in front of only Hashem? Because only Hashem could see inside of a fetus. Only Hashem could see inside of a womb. I'm sorry. There's also... To support this, there's a Gemara Nida, the Gemara Lamed Amid Bet, 
says something very interesting. The Gemara ex- describes the fetal position. It says, how is, a, how is a baby inside the womb? And it says it's like this. It, it, it's, it describes how the baby folds itself and puts its hands by its ears and it puts its knees up. It literally describes the fetal position. And the Gemara says that the mouth is closed. It doesn't, um, ex- uh, um, it doesn't lay any waste because it would kill its mother. And its umbilical cord is open. Because if this wasn't true, it wouldn't be able to live a filu sha'a'echat. That's what the Gemara says in Nida. So they bring this as a support that the Racha is talking about a Vlad um, Bime'eimo. And this is why it's Galivia Dua. This is why he wouldn't be able to survive for a second. And one of the uh, Sidurim from the 16th century, uh, it's, it's called um, Sidur of Hertzschliach Sibori. He's one of the Mikubalim in, in, uh, in Germany. He says that um, this concept that a baby's mouth is closed and its umbilical cord is open and that it doesn't excrete any waste is something that we don't know. He's speaking in the 16th century. We don't know this empirically. We haven't seen it. We don't have, they didn't have x-rays. So we only know this Alpia Kabbalah. We only have a tradition of this fact, but we don't actually know this to be true. 500 years later, we have x-rays. We know this to be true, that a baby does not do any of these things. And if it did, if it were to open its mouth in the womb, it would die in a matter of minutes if it was to if it's umbilical cord was to close off it would die in a matter of minutes these are things that were passed us down from Moshe B'Sinai even before we had um, before we had x-rays so so what about the first part with the means that he formed so is it is it Hashem's wisdom or the wisdom that he gave to me if you learn it to be Vlad then Chochmah means wisdom but it means that Hashem created him with the assistance using using a malach. So what do we say? What should we think? What should we think? Yeah, what do we say? Is it wisdom? both are fine? Both. <laughs> yeah, both are fine. Um, the the problem with this shot in Asher Yatzar is that it makes no sense practically. Because why would you say this bracha when you leave the bathroom? You should say this bracha when you have a kid. You should say this bracha after childbirth. Why would we say this bracha after we go to the bathroom if the whole thing is talking about Yitzirat HaVlad? If it's talking about Yitzirat HaAdam, I understand, but Yitzirat HaVlad, why would I say this after going to the bathroom? Therefore, this is not the accepted view. This is not the kavanah that most people have when they say Asher Yatzar, and they stick to the Yitzirat HaAdam, not to Yitzirat HaVlad. So let's see what the Gemara says about the closing of the bracha. My chatim, how do you close the bracha? Amar Rav, Rav said, Rofei cholim, he who heals the sick. Amar Shmuel, Kashavinu Abba Lukuli Amakitsiri. Abba was Rav's actual name. Um, he said to him, uh, Rav, you, you, you can't call everybody in Kali Yisrael sick. <laughs> don't say, if you close the bracha, that he who heals the sick, then even healthy people are going to be saying this and they don't want to call everybody sick. You should say, he who heals all flesh. Rav Sheshet Amar, Rav Sheshet disagrees with Rav and Shmuel, and he says, he who acts wondrously. And this, th- these are both coming from Sukim, the other one we actually saw already. Um, so he says, you should say, and therefore, therefore, in, in effect, in Lahalacha, we say both today, we say, <coughs> That's the halacha that we say, he who heals all flesh <coughs> and acts wondrously. Now, what does it mean, if we're talking about healthy people, what does it mean that he heals all flesh? So there's two um, valid approaches. One is that rifuah doesn't necessarily mean healing. We know the pasuk says in Zvarim, it says, Ki ani Hashem, Hashem is warning us of all the curses that he'll bring on us, that he 
He says, I won't give you any of the curses that I gave onto Mitzrayim, Kiani Hashem Rofecha. Meaning, I'm going to prevent you from getting disease and keep you healthy because I am Hashem, your healer. So we see that refuah can mean even prevention from healing, from, from, sorry, from illness. So that's one way of learning refuah. The other is, um, Labu Darham spells this out very nicely, and many of the Rishonim speak about this, how digestion is an in, of its, in and of itself a healing for the body how the way the body processes food and, and, and manages waste and getting waste out of the body is, the, is in itself a healing for the body. So that's another valid reason why we use the Lashon of Rifuah. Maflila Sot. So we said already, so the last words are Maflila Sot. We said already that Pela is something which is done in the domain of the natural world. Any wondrous thing that is definitely godly, but it's only done in the natural world. So the Rama points out that is, or conjectures, I'm not sure. He says that Maflila Sot is, is speaking specifically about a specific wonder. And you know which wonder? He says the wonder is talking about is, in, at least in English, substance dualism, which means the fact that the Nishama is able to be attached to a body which is something Gashmi. You know, we know that the body is Gashmi, the Nishama is Ruchani. The, the fact that they're able to interact with each other, that they can have what's called in, in philosophy interactionism, that is the pele. And this is a problem which has been discussed in philosophy for maybe three, 4,000 years. This is called the mind-body problem. I mean, in philosophy, it's called the mind. In religious language, we would call it the soul or the neshama. But the idea is, um, what is the nature of the mind? There's two problems in the mind-body problem. First of all, what is the nature of the mind? The ontological problem, is it is the mind a separate thing? Is it a, a state of being which is separate from the body? Or is it caused by um, or is it caused by the physicality? Does the brain itself cause consciousness? The other question is the causative problem of <coughs> of the mind-body problem, and that is how is it possible for interactionism to, for it, for an interaction to occur? For example, if you're gonna tell me, if you're going to posit that the mind is completely a separate state of being than the body, then how is it possible that it affects the body? Why is it that when someone is sad, when he's, when he's atsuv, when he's depressed, why is it that that affects your body? And if, why is it that when your body gets sick or dies, your neshama leaves? If they're actually separate things, then how can they ever interact? So the idea that they do interact or that they do exist together is called dualism and interactionism in philosophy. However, in Jewish thought, we understand that this is literally a pele, a wondrous thing that the, the two things are connected to each other, interact with each other. And, of course, the Mikulalim talk more about how that works <coughs> mystically. Uh, it's not really our domain to, to discuss how, how that all works. But that's the idea. So now, the last problem with Asher which we just finished, we basically just finished the entire bracha. But there's one last problem, which I've had for, I don't know, two years now. I must have asked this to a dozen people. I'm almost done. Um, and that is, it's a very obvious problem. You just have to sit and think and look at Asher for the first time and ask yourself this question. Is that since when does Yitzirah come before Bria? Anybody who learns, you know, uh, Parashat Bereshit knows that Hashem first created man and then he formed him. For in <coughs> Bria means a yesh me'ayin. Once you create something from nothing, 
Then you take the unformed matter and you form it. Why does the bracha say Asher Yatsar et Adam Chochma Ubarabo? If it was being correct, it should say Asher Bara et Adam Viyatsarbo. It would make so much more sense. Hashem created man and then formed inside of him hollows and tubes and cavities. The bracha doesn't make sense grammatically. It doesn't make sense in in my eyes even. Um, sensically, you should, it, should be, it shouldn't be the bracha of Asher Yatsar, it should be the bracha of Asher Bara. So, I finally, finally found <coughs> someone who approaches this problem. And the truth is that the answer to my question is yes, I'm right. And that is, Bidar Chapshat, it's non literal. And the answer is in the realm of Kabbalah. The answer is not something which is um, the Pashut Shat of the bracha. So this is found. So exact meaning in English, the way it's written. So, so in the way it's written is that first Hashem created Hashem Barat Adam. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sarat Adam that Hashem formed man, Ubarabo, and then created with him, within him. Right. So the proper way to say it would be that Hashem first created a man and then formed things within him. First, we have a creation, which is something from nothing, and then we do a formation, which is we form the somethingness that we created. That's generally how how uh, creation formation works. That's that's how the worlds are are aligned. So in the sidur of the gra, there's a few sidurim of the gra, um, written by different talmidim, different uh, different schools of the the gra's thought. One of them is called sidur hagra benigla ubinistar, and in it he says something very startling. I, I can't. I really don't understand all of it. Um, of what I do understand, it's very interesting. He does say that the reason we start with Briyah before, I'm sorry, with Yitzirah before Briyah is because he's, he's the whole the whole Pirush is up here Kabbalah, but he's talking about the Kabbalah you have to have. The first section of um, Davening is what's known as called the Olam HaAsiyah. So one shifts his consciousness from the Olam HaAsiyah and then you climb, you go from Asiyah to Yitzirah to Briyah. That's why we end up in Kisei HaKavod, because the Kisei HaKavod is the world of Biriyah, um, and we go as high as Biriyah in this, in this bracha. Um, furthermore, what he explains is, I, I thought really beautiful, and that is that we all know that um, there's, the Torah says we have 613 mitzvot, and coincidentally, there's also 613 parts of our body. So now when the Torah says that there are 613 parts of our body, it doesn't mean that there are 613 physical parts of our body. It means that there are 613 spiritual concepts that are created in the spiritual worlds which exist. And because of those 613 spiritual concepts which effectually come into this world as mitzvot, we have also 613 parts of our body. Those 613 concepts make up a man in the higher worlds, in the spiritual worlds, and down here you have 613 limbs, which are empowered by the 613 mitzvot. Now, to be clear, this isn't causation. In our world, we have cause and effect. Things are done because of reason. We have cause, effect. In the higher worlds, we can't use the word causation because it's not a world of cause and effect. Instead, the closest English word is something known as contingency, which means that because something exists, it follows that another thing exists. So we could say that the human limbs in this world are contingent upon spiritual limbs that we have in higher worlds. So now these spiritual limbs that we have in higher worlds are powered and enforced by all the mitzvot that we do. This is why 
you know, you always hear stories of the Baba Sali that somebody would come to him and he's, he's very sick and he would ask him like, you know, did you put on tefillin the right way? He'd be like, what? How did you know I put on tefillin the wrong way? And he said, well, <laughs> because if you put on tefillin the wrong way, this part of your body is going to be affected. It's uh, a fascinating thing that the physical world is so intrinsically tied to the, to the bracha, to the spiritual conduits that come from all the mitzvot that we have. So he explains, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but what he explains is that the nikavim and the nikavim are not the nikavim inside of our body. These are the, called the nikvuta, the, the nikavim, the gugolota, the, the seven spiritual holes of the, of, of, this, of the spiritual head. You know, we all have seven holes in our physical head, but there are um, seven conduits of kiddushah. There are halulim in the body, which are conduits of, of kiddushah in the spiritual body. And this upholds the girsah that if one of them were to open too wide, meaning if this is this upholds this is why Rashi kept the girsah shim achad mehem because Rashi was aware of the kabbalah that is that shim achad mehem if one of these nikavim were to open too wide, meaning as he says for example let's say the midat hadin was too strong the world would cease to exist or if one of them were to become closed, meaning if one of the tubes was to become too closed, meaning if there wasn't enough rachamim in the world, the world would cease to exist, literally, instantly. Because of the, of the spiritual mechanics and dynamics of the world above us, that's what allows the physical world, world beneath us to exist. So therefore, we have to make sure to maintain our spiritual lives, make, our, make sure that all the mitzvot that we, done are, that we do are done properly in order so that our physical world benefits from those spiritual things. Okay, um, yeah, that's basically everything that we have to do about Asher Yisrael. You know, I once saw from, uh, somebody told me about a story from Victor Miller. He used to say when he would walk by a doctor's office he would, or like a dentist's office, if he didn't even know what it meant, like it said, ah, you know, like these crazy doctor names, like periodontalist or something, he would say, Baruch Hashem, I don't need that doctor. Baruch Hashem, I don't need that doctor. Because we always take our health for granted. We don't think about our health until, like you don't think about your nails unless one of them really, really hurts you. We take all of our health for granted every day. And if Victor Miller used to say, look, when you say Asher Yatar or when you pass a doctor's office, you should think about our health. It's a perfect opportunity when we say Asher Yatar to think about the wondrous, you know, uh, mechanics of our body.